it's recording. Okay. Um, hi, my name is Kendall, and he is correct. I am from out west somewhere, um, but I actually live in Burke, so a little bit more local to you guys. Um, I work at St. Stephen the Martyr, which is out in Middleburg, Virginia, and St. Catherine Drexel Mission, which is in Haymarket, Virginia. So a lot of uh, you guys probably have never even heard of those places, and that's okay. Um, they're lovely. You should come visit us sometime. Um, for the parents, there's lots of wineries. So there you go. That's our selling point. Um, well, I, we just opened with a beautiful prayer, but I would just ask that we open in a quick prayer, um, and I will lead. Okay. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, and uh, lead my words so that all that I say today is to honor you. And to open the ears and the hearts of all those here so that they hear exactly what you need them to hear. And we pray all this as we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 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 Great. Um, yeah, so I didn't know that parents were going to be here until like Thursday. And uh, while I'm usually okay talking to like middle schoolers and high schoolers, parents make me a little nervous. So I was like, oh, I don't know, I'm a little bit nervous now. I was fine. But uh, so bear with me if I, uh, if I am speaking at, I also work with um, uh, the little ones and I taught fourth grade today uh, for religious ed. So I feel like I'm in a fourth grade mindset. So if I'm speaking at a lower level, I apologize. <laughs> Great. Well, um, I... I am here to speak to you guys a little bit about um, the the person of Jesus, the person of Jesus, and who he is, and how how he is um, he is an actual person. I know you guys heard a little bit from um, I think his name was Tyler, correct? Okay, <laughs> confirming uh, in the video earlier, and he did a wonderful job kind of explaining that relational side of Jesus. Um, so we're going to talk about that at the center of um, our Christian life, right? Um, it's not just this idea, it's not just a topic, but it's a human person. It's a human person, and that person is Jesus. Um, and uh, when Jesus was ministering to us, uh, well, ministering to his disciples, but to us through them, uh, he addressed a really important question to his disciples, and he says, who do you say that I am? And so I want to talk about that question primarily today. That's kind of our main point. Um, so I want to tell you guys a little bit of a story about this cat that lives in my neighborhood. Um, which I know sounds really silly, but I promise it makes sense. So we have this cat that one day showed up on our front doorstep, um, and it was this little black and white cat, and everyone in my family is deathly allergic to cats. Um, so my dad hates cats. Like, he's like, not a fan. I just love little animals, so I was really excited. I'm like, finally, we get a pet cat. And so this cat didn't move from our doorstep for probably, like, a week. And my mom and I kept, like, leaving milk out because we don't know how to take care of a cat. Apparently, that's not good. Don't give cats milk. It's apparently really bad for them. But that was all we knew what to do. Um, and then we started leaving, like, tuna fish out for it because, again, we just, like, know cartoons. And so that was what we were doing for this cat. And so finally, my mom's like, we got to, like, figure out what's going on with this cat. So we posted, like, one of those, like, neighborhood Facebook pages. Um, and this lady comes back. She's like, oh, yeah, that's my cat. Its name's Tic Tac. Um, yeah, it just kind of lives in the neighborhood and everyone takes care of it. And we were a little bit confused because we're like, well, one, take care of your own cat, lady. And two, we're like, well, do you want it back? And she said no. But uh, why I'm giving this is that we then had a name for it because we were just calling it the cat because we didn't want to name someone else's cat. So we were like kind of just like pushing it aside and being like, ah, it's the cat. Um, but then we found out its name was Tic Tac, right? 
And um, there's actually a, fan, there's a Facebook debate going on if it's Mr. Whiskers or Tic Tac. We call it Tic Tac, but there's a full debate. Let me tell you, the Facebook page got heated. But um, we had this cat now named Tic Tac, and that, that just the naming of that cat gave it an identity, and now that cat is a part of our family. For like the last 10 years, that cat will randomly show up on our doorstep. We now own cat food for a cat we don't own. We've taken the cat to the vet. This cat is now ours, right? It's ours. We've identified it, we've named it, and we've given it, um, it's like a beloved member of our family um, because it was named. And so Jesus is asking his disciples, his apostles to name him, to, to who do you say that I am, to give him that identity, right? And so we are asked to respond to these same questions, right? This is, he's asking it to the uh, apostles, but also to us. And so the people um, that he was ministering to, they had waited for about 2,000 years, right, for, for this Messiah, for the, the Lord to come, for someone to come. And someone who would, you know, create in them everything that was promised, everything that was promised of this new kingdom, this kingdom of God. And... Um, I have a quote here, and it says, in this, Into this time of waiting steps, a man who begins exhibiting many signs of the kingdom of God, healing the sick, the blind, the lame, and the mute, and preaching with authority the kingdom of heaven, performing countless miracles and drawing the thousands of people to follow him. This was a revolution happening in their own time. These were things that they were seeing happen, things they've been waiting for. Um, I don't know about you guys, um, but I'm, like, I like to wait for things. I'm, I'm not a patient person. So these people waited 2,000 years, and that's just like incredibly impressive to me. I'll, whenever I think about that, that is very impressive because I can barely wait like 10 minutes to like, I don't even know, like cook pasta. Like I'm staring at the pot like, can you boil? Um, so um, I'm going to read to you a little bit from that, from that point that we were talking about earlier, that who do you say that I am? And it says, it's from Matthew. It says, now when Jesus came into the district of Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the men say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and others Jeremiah are one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Um, so before we talk about the response that's given, um, I want to just see... Uh, I'm going to ask you guys. I love asking questions. So I'm going to ask, does anyone have a response? Like, what would you guys say if Jesus was like, who do you say that I am? Does anyone have a response? This is the part where you answer. Otherwise, I feel really awkward. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Very good. Very good. Yeah. I guess just the Messiah. The Messiah. Yeah. This is great. You guys are better than the fourth graders this morning. Awesome. Yeah, these are really good answers. Um, and then I guess, what do you think that um, our culture would say, who, that, who Jesus is? What would culturally, what do you hear? Like, what would the culture say? Is he like a cool guy? He's just some prophet. Yeah. Wise man. A wise man, yeah. That's a great point. Anyone else? I saw a half hand. I'm going to call you out. Yeah, half hand is a hand. Go ahead. Someone else is God. Ooh, wow, these are great. Yeah, um, I was just saying, like, it's a cool guy, right? He's a cool guy. It's some guy that they wrote a book about. Um, it's a best-selling novel. Pretty impressive, I guess. Um, all these good things, right? Um, even uh, I, I like to make this point. Um, even atheist historians can't dispute the fact that um, Jesus was a real person who actually walked this earth, and they can actually um, verify a lot of these stories that are told about him. And I think that's really important because I think our culture is so 
you know, we need the science, we need the facts. And so I think that, that at least to me is very compelling and I like to share that with people. Um, so going back, Jesus asks us, but who do you say that I am? And he turns like the general question of like, you know, what is the culture saying? Like what's everything, you know, what's going on out there? You know, what, what are everyone else saying? To what are you gonna say? He makes it a very pointed question. Um, and my favorite part is um, the response that Peter gives. And he just says, it says, Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And my favorite point is that Peter is like, oh yeah, no, I got this one, guys. Like, don't worry. <laughs> Let me step up right here. And I think it's really important because he recognizes it, right? He recognizes it without being told. And I think that's so important. And uh, right after this, like the next, the next verse is talking about how Peter is given the keys to the kingdom. He's given the honor of becoming the leader of the apostles at this point. And he names Jesus as the son of God. And he shapes his identity around this answer, right? Um, and so if we are to believe that, God, or that Jesus is truly God incarnate, then we must shape our identity around that as well. Um, our identity is nothing less than the one beloved by God himself, right? And so Peter in that moment is naming him, much like we had to name this cat Tic Tac, right? Slash Mr. Whiskers, again, I'm not fighting with the moms on Facebook. Um, but it, once we named it, right, it became an identity. The same thing, Peter is naming and identifying Jesus. Um, so let's read a little bit further into some background here, because I think context is really, really important um, as someone who... Uh, my degree is in history and politics, so I like to have the background. You know, I like to have that solid ground. So here we go. So this is from John, and it says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. So Jesus makes, him, Jesus makes himself the, 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 the epitome of, like, all his things, right? He's like, this is it. This is I am not a way. He is the way, right? He's like, this is not just, like, one little part that I get to be. It's the, not a. And I think the wording there is really, really important. So, sorry, I'm flipping back and forth. I got the Bible here. It's, there we go, here. So I'm going to read from, you, from Matthew as well. It says, And behold, they brought him a, par- a paralytic, lying on his bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to him, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, Rise, take up your bed, and go home. And he he rose and went home. So, uh, for context, in the Old Testament, um, people that saw any kind of disfigurement or any sort of disability or anything like that, they saw it as a result of your own personal sin or the sins of your family or, uh, your, you know, your, your parents in some way. And so it, Jesus is making a very profound jump at this point because up until this point, right, he's like, he's, you know, he's helping people out kind of more in private. This is very public in front of, um, in front of the Pharisees. And he's saying, we believe, the, the Jews at the time, and we, we also <laughs> believed only God can forgive sins, right? So for Jesus to claim um, that he can forgive someone's sins, um, it, it's, it's an insane, insane thing for these people, right? They have been waiting 2,000 years for someone. I mean, after 2,000 years, again, listen, 10 minutes is a long, lifetime for me. So I can't imagine 2,000 years, and there, this is a major thing. He's shaking up history here. This is a major, major thing. So we're going to go back to the Old Testament a little bit, get us a little more context. 
It says, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed, and they were glad because they had quiet. Oh, we have one more. Oh, I lost it. There we go. And I'm just going to follow it up. So this I was Old Testament. We're going to go to New Testament now. Ready? Look at these parallels. Here we go. And when we got into the and when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, "Save, Lord, we are perishing." And he said to them, "Why are you afraid, O men of little faith?" Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? So uh, in the Old Testament, God, only God, had this power over the wind and the sea, right? These are, that's what's being um, shown in that Psalms passage. And then in the New Testament from that last reading, Jesus also displays this power that was also, like, that was previously only given to God. This was something that only, only God was able to um, present. So... Uh, the question of the disciples of who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him. So I'm gonna, I, I have one more, th- one more reading. Bear with me. Listen, we got all this. It's all going to come together. Here's the last one. And it's just one line, and it's from John, and it just says, I and the Father are one. So very easy. That's a very bold claim. So if we're going to do some parallels here, being like, okay, well, in the past, only God could do this, and now Jesus is going to do this. He also just outright says it, right? He outright says, I and the Father are one. So he claims to be God. There's no question, and there's no question for anyone who is listening to him. So uh, we also, we have to go back then to say, who do you say that I am? So who is Jesus really? Um, he performs signs. He, he teaches, right? He's a wonderful teacher. We were, oh, that was just the parents. I was going to say, we talked about that earlier, just being a teacher. I was like, nope. They weren't here. Um, yeah, he, he claims to forgive sins. He's healing paralytics. Um, and he even is claiming to be God. Um, so we're going we're gonna to talk about the craziness that that is, right? That's a little bit bold. Um, if I just started standing up here and telling you guys that I was God, um, you would probably be a little concerned. There would probably be a little bit of like, hey, you guys invited some weird lady from Middleburg. I think she's, she can't come back here. She can't come back, right? Um, so Jesus claims to be God. So either he is or he isn't, right? I mean, there's really no in-between option here. There is or he isn't. And so if he's not, um, then there's really only two other options. And we're going to go with some C.S. Lewis here, right? We're going to go with uh, liar, lunatic, or lord. Okay, it's called the, the trilemma which I love. I recently learned this when I was doing some research here. Uh, so I am always finding myself in dilemmas, and now there's a new word, and it's a trilemma, and I'm like, <laughs> listen, I've just realized most of my life has apparently been a trilemma, not a dilemma. So very exciting new word for me. Um, but C.S. Lewis writes about this, and um, he talks about that there are really only three options here. Um, who here knows who C.S. Lewis is? Yeah, okay, awesome. Great. You've heard of him? That's okay. That's great. Um, He is wonderful, and I think everyone should read all of his stuff. So highly recommend. This is my plug. I love reading. So if you need recommendations, let me know. Um, But to go back to his trilemma, so we have these three options, right? We have liar, 
we have Lunatic, and we have Lord, and I see you looking at your watch. How much time do I have? Okay, okay. <laughs> I was like, you can go really fast. Let's go. Um, so if he is a liar, right? If these are, these are all lies, if these are just things he's saying, what, what does he have to gain? Like, what's going to happen? Does anyone... Like, if I just started walking around, going to churches, and going up to people, like the Pope, right? Because he's going up to some pretty high-level people here. Oh, that's fun. Um, <laughs> what, what, are, what are you going to gain? What do you think is going to happen? Anyone? Radio silence. You mean if he's lying? In the, yeah, if he's in lying. The if he's just walking out. around. Yeah, if he's just walking around making up lies. What happens to politicians who are just walking around lying? What happens America. to, yeah. With, <laughs> uh, uh, chose the wrong profession. Um, yeah, what's happened if politicians, if doctors are walking around lying, if, um, I don't know, teachers are walking around lying. Yeah. There's going to be consequences. Very good. And in, um, in, at Jesus' time, there's going to be some different consequences, right? I guess the worst thing that would happen now is we might be going to jail. Um, in Jesus' time, he, he was being um, put to the most painful death really humanly imaginable. He's being crucified, right? So there's really no gain in that, right? If he's lying, um, it would be a very easy thing to just say, oh, yeah, you're right, I was lying. Like, sorry, <laughs> stop doing that. Um, it's an easy out. Very good. So if he's a crazy person, um, if he's a lunatic, right? Um, if he's just going around saying all these ridiculous things, like, you know, I don't even, I can't even make up an example. Um, but he's literally walking around claiming to be God, right? So if he's a crazy person, um, he has, again, we talked about earlier, he's the most successful, you know, bookseller, right? He's, this is the best-selling author of the year, um, like 2,000 years running. Um, so how are these, these ethical things he's teaching, these, um, these faiths, these morals, all of these different things, um, how are they still around today, 2,000 years later? How are these things that are being taught, right? Because I don't know if you've ever tried to um, argue with a child. I'm not saying children are crazy. I'm just saying this is an example, just as a preface. I don't know if you've ever tried to argue with them, but usually there's not, not a lot of logic, right? And they're just kind of like mad about things and they're just like yelling and they're like, well, you, you said this one time eight years ago. And you're like, okay, well, I guess not eight years, maybe two years ago. And so that holds up for all of this, right? So like, I'm not saying they're crazy, again, but their logic isn't there, right? They're not really making the most, the most common sense arguments. So if Jesus is making these like amazing claims and these things, and he has, ba- he has backup on it, right? These things are holding up. Um, and he's teaching with his real authority. He's teaching with a real... Um, a real um, authority, I guess is the only word. He's really, really um, putting it out there. And so these teachings, things like, hey, pray for your enemy, love one another, care for the sick. Those aren't really like lunatic claims, right? If I'm a lunatic, and I'm going to come up with these crazy stories. I think it'd be a lot, lot better than like, hey, pray for your enemy, right? Like <laughs> I would think I could come up with something a little bit more creative. It's going to be a crazy so um, if he is Lord, right, and, which he claims to be, uh, he, he, Peter accepts this, right? Peter accepts this. Peter is telling him. Um, so Jesus is either the Lord of all or is he not, excuse me, or he is not the Lord at all. And if he is the Lord, um, we can't just agree, right? We can't just like subtly be like, oh, yeah, Jesus is God. That's cool. That's really nice. You know, if it's good for you, it's good for me, right? We can't be passive about it. Um, we need to do what he's saying. We need to follow these commandments. We need to follow these teachings, right? These 2,000-year-old teachings. And 
We need to surrender our lives completely to him. We need to surrender our lives completely into him and follow that plan for our life. We were talking earlier about our identity, right? And I was saying that we need to find our identity in Christ. Um, so we need to define ourselves, right, by this identity that's given to Christ, by this name that's given to Christ. Um, that if Peter can name him and accept him as the Lord after watching all of this, right, people who were... I think that's one of the most shocking things about scripture is watching the people accept him who are a part of the culture because these like crazy, like this is like so countercultural, right? And it feels as though it's kind of countercultural now, today, right? I feel like um, more and more I'm amazed by the teens that I get to work with and you guys, you guys are awesome. Um, But I'm more and more amazed that you guys are being so countercultural and so radical in these choices um, and you're choosing to to live your faith. And that's really impressive. But... um, Identifying ourselves as this um, anything other than being identified and loved by God is just an illusion, right? So you are a daughter or a son of, of the Most High, of the King, right? And so um, he has loved you from the very beginning, and he has willed you to be here and uh, willed you into existence, right? So th- just very practically, um, we need to make a decision, right? We need to make a decision. If we are accepting that he is not a liar, uh, he is not a lunatic, and that he is the Lord, then we need to make him um, the Lord of our own lives, right? We need to make that practical choice to be like, I'm claiming this and I'm owning it. And this is something that I, every single day, I'm going to defend. Um, and it's going it, to, you know, some days are easier than others. I'm going to be honest, right? But this is a choice we need to make. Then we also need to expect great things of him, right? Um, if he is the Lord, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you guys a secret, he is. That's, that's the answer. Um, then we need, to expect the, we need to expect great things of him. Because um, oftentimes, I don't know about you guys, but especially when I was in high school, I'd be like, um, yeah, so God, I have a test today, and I really need your help. And that was like my prayer, right? And I was like, listen, <laughs> if he is the Lord of the universe who has created absolutely everything, uh, I can expect more of him in my life than just helping me with a test, right? I can expect him to completely transform my life. Um, I'm not saying don't study for tests. Study for your tests. Um, great. And then I also, um, I want you guys to think about um, accepting Jesus as the Lord, but also taking him in as a real person. Um, I was saying that, you know, even atheist scholars can, you know, see him as a historical figure. Um, what was the other answers that we were giving? That he was a good guy, you know, that he was um, the culture, what the culture is saying about him, right? But accepting, accepting him in as a real person and praying to him as though he was a friend. And I think for me, at least, that's been the biggest thing in my prayer life is praying to him like a friend and not just being like, in the name of the Father and the Son, right? You know, like the super formal, but just speaking to him as I speak to my friends. Um, I have a very external processor. Uh, you can ask any of my friends. I think sometimes I get a little annoying because I'll be like, like this like little, little thing I'll blow up because I'm like, we need to dissect the entire thing and this one person looked at me wrong this one time and therefore they hate me. Not true, but I talk to everyone about everything I want to talk, right? And so I realized that the biggest thing for me is seeing if Jesus is the Lord and Jesus is a person, I can talk to him like that. And he's not going to get annoyed when I do do that kind of thing where I'm constantly trying to reason through things. Um, So for me, when I go to adoration, just like having that um, dialogue with him and really working through that with him has been the most transformative. All the biggest decisions of my life have been made in adoration uh, simply through dialogue, simply through dialogue. All right. Um, so in conclusion, I want to end with a, a quote 
um, from St. Robert Bellamere, uh, Bellarmine, excuse me. And uh, he's kind of, I say he's kind of local because that's the John, uh, uh, George Mason Chapel, that's who's named after. But I'm using a quote from him today because it is Catechetical Sunday and he is the patron saint of catechists. And so I, I, I feel a special connection to him as um, someone who works in catechetics. So he says, whoever finds God finds everything and whoever loses God loses everything. So with that, I just want to close in a quick prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Jesus, thank you for being our friend, and thank you for being our Lord. Help us to love you and to honor you, and help us to accept you as a friend, and help us to grow in our relationship with you. We pray as we say glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.